So I am uh, fresh off the confirmation retreat. We, uh, Clancy and I were able to lead a retreat uh, for some students, um, our confirmation students. Uh, this is a, it was a lot of fun to do. We haven't been on this retreat in, a, in many years. This, I love these students. These, this is the first confirmation class where I knew their families before these kids were born. So now to see them uh, be born and grow up and, and just a real privilege to see them uh, you know, writing their faith statements and uh, sharing our testimonies. Clancy and I were able to share our testimonies of faith with them, and it was just a great time. Uh, but one of the traditions on the confirmation retreat is when we do foot washing. And Jesus, of course, you know, took the form of a servant and washed his disciples' feet. And he said, um, you know, I've set an example for you that you should do as I have done for you. And um, we, when we think about it, you know, Jesus is our ultimate example of faith and, I, and of life. And I, and I share that because it really ties into our sermon series. As we reflect on these seven last words or these seven last things that Jesus said when he was on the cross. He was literally nailed to a wooden cross. His execution has begun. And what is Jesus doing? Is he finished? No. He at one point says it is finished. We'll get to that one last. But he's not done. If they had just killed him instantly, we would have missed out on this whole part of Jesus' ministry. What have we seen him do? So he's nailed to a cross. The, the first thing we hear Jesus say is, Father, forgive them. He's pleading with his heavenly Father to forgive those who have brutally tortured him and are executing him. The second thing we hear him say is words of assurance and ministry to a man who is being crucified next to him. He's, uh, he's evangelizing. He is telling this man, because of his faith, that his eternal security is sure and certain and immediate. And we looked at that last week. And then this week, here we have Jesus on the cross caring for his mother. Now, you're not Jesus, and you'll never be Jesus, uh, but the Bible teaches that we're supposed to have the same mindset as Jesus, that we are to serve as Jesus served. And here, in his anguish, and in his suffering, and in his moment of death, he is still providing for his mother. This is an amazing example to us. And so today, I just want to consider how we, as followers of Jesus Christ, care for others, and particularly how we care for others is expressed through our missions and community service uh, through the free church missions. Um, as we look into this, before we start, I just want to acknowledge that we, we see here Mary's anguish. The Bible doesn't describe Mary's anguish because it doesn't have to, because we know the anguish of a mother who's losing her son. She's watching her son die. And just as Elena said, that moment of when your child is, is sick or hurting, just the deep pain that is. And I know that there are people here who are watching online, perhaps, that you have lost a child and you know that deep pain and that anguish. And um, this, is, this is, considering this scene and considering Jesus' mother might be very, very heavy for you. And the words that I speak today... Probably no match for the weight that you feel when we, consider, when we consider these things. And I apologize for that. My prayer 
for you is that God would just protect you as you consider this and that you would know his comfort and the very presence of his Holy Spirit during this time. But let us pray. So Father God, we do pray for all of us as we consider the intensity of what we are hearing and seeing in your word here. But we, we look at it with knowledge of the resurrection of our Lord. We Lord, you've shown us the ultimate end of this story, the day where there are no more tears or sadness or death. And so we we look at this with the knowledge of a sure and certain future. Um, We just pray that during this time you'd give us a high expectation of what you desire to do as we reflect on your word. We do this for your glory and for the glory of your name. We do pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So in these uh, brief words that Jesus speaks from the cross, I wanna, we, we're going to see two things here. The first thing we see is Jesus caring for his mother. Now, Jesus' relationship with Mary, his mother, is we don't have a lot of information in the scriptures about their relationship. And the little bit that we do have is complicated. The the relationship that Jesus had with his mother and his immediate family was often marked with misunderstandings right from the beginning. The first thing that, the first knowledge Mary has of her son Jesus when an angel tells her that she's pregnant by the Holy Spirit, that the child will be called Jesus, the first thing she says is, how can this be? I don't understand it. Now, we know that Mary later came to embrace by faith God's call in her life uh, to bear this Christ child. But it started with, how can this be? Then we have Jesus as a boy. And again, this is the only account in the scriptures of Jesus as a child. In Luke chapter 2, Jesus gets lost. He gets separated from his family. They go searching for him. They find him at the temple. And Jesus says, why were you searching for me? Didn't you know that I had to be in my father's house? You know, Jesus saying, Mom, Dad, don't you understand? There seems to be some kind of misunderstanding about his life and his mission and his ministry. Then we have Jesus beginning his public ministry. John chapter 2, he's at a wedding with his mother is there, and the couple runs out of wine. And Mary goes to Jesus and she said, you know, she tells him what has happened. And Jesus says to her, woman, why do you involve me? My time has not yet come. So there was something about her request or her approaching him where the timing wasn't quite right, that she misunderstood. But Jesus still provided and he performed his, his first public miracle at that event. Fast forward a little bit. Jesus is traveling around. He's ministering. He's proclaiming the the good news of God's kingdom. And and what happens? His mother and his brothers travel quite a distance to find him, to take him, because, Mark 3.21, it says his mother and brothers said he is out of his mind. He has lost his mind, proclaiming these things and doing these things. There was clearly misunderstanding. And then John 7.5 says even his own brothers did not believe in him. The parent-child relationship can be very complicated no matter who you are. My dear mother has been attending this church. Some of you have met her. Some of you know her. 
Um, and Pete, she told me, people have been asking, what was JP like as a child and as a teenager? Depending on when you ask her, you may or may not get much information on that. Uh, but there were a lot of adventures, let's say. And the, poli- the police were involved on occasion. Uh, one memorable occasion when the police were looking for me and you sent them to where I was and gave them the contact information. At, I was not at home, not even in my own town. And the police from, um, the police from Londonderry t- contacted the police from Nashua because of a license plate that was connected to an incident. And then you gave the phone number to my aunt's house. I was with my cousin, and she picked up the phone. She said, this is the Derry, New Hampshire police. It's for you. And I'm like, how are they calling me at your house? And mom had something to do with that. Um, They questioned me. It was all set. Um, Interesting, ironically, real quick. So my, my son had kind of his first driving lesson with his grandmother, which is like frightening on a lot of levels, my, my mother-in-law. And she took a video of him driving a car around this parking lot. I didn't ask your permission to share the story. I'm sorry. I'll, I'll make it up to you later. But I see a video of my son driving around a parking lot, and I thought to myself, oh, my goodness, that is the same exact parking lot that I was in when this incident happened, when the police got notified. And like he's driving as a teenager in the parking lot I drove in as a teenager, he did a much better, more legal thing than I did. But <laughs> my mom raised me with some teenage shenanigans. Mary raised sinless Jesus. So now raising the Son of God has its own complications. I get that. Um, but whatever misunderstandings and whatever wondering that Mary had about her son, whatever she thought of it, Jesus loved her perfectly to the very end. And in that moment, Jesus is caring for Mary and he entrusts her to his closest disciple, the beloved disciple named John. John described himself as the disciple that Jesus loved. He was very close to Jesus. And he he identified himself as he wrote, not as John, but as Jesus loves me. That was his whole identity was so wrapped up in that Jesus the Messiah knew and loved him and was discipling him. And there from the cross, he calls out, he says, woman, this is your son now. Son, this is your mother. And from that point forward, John took Mary into his own home and cared for that woman as if she was his own mother from that day forward. We also understand, we believe from tradition, that Mary is very likely a widow at this point, that Joseph, her husband, has died. So she is very vulnerable, and Jesus dying makes sure that she is provided for and cared for. Here we see Jesus caring for his mother. That's the first thing. The second thing we see here is an opportunity for us to follow Jesus and how we care for others. Jesus is is so much more than our example in life, but he's not less than our example in life. What I mean by that is, when Jesus was on the cross, he wasn't just giving a good example for us, he was securing our eternal salvation. He He was fulfilling his 
call to come and to seek and to save the lost by taking on the sins of the world. Jesus was accomplishing it. So as Christians, we don't just follow Jesus' teaching or Jesus' example or the Jesus way of life. We follow Jesus. Jesus is our life. He is our source. He is our strength. And he accomplished that for us. If Jesus was just your example, that would be very hard, uh, nearly impossible. So he's, he's, he's your Savior. He's your Lord. But he is also our example. Jesus was the perfect human. So we look at how he served. We look at how he loved and how he cared. And we follow him. Again, Jesus, when he served his disciples, he said, I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. And you will be blessed as you live this way. There's blessing as we follow Jesus as our example. So we see an opportunity here to learn how to care for others. So that is central to our faith. We care for others. We care for others individually. So we care for our families. That is central to our faith. 1 Timothy 5.8 says this. Anyone who does not provide for their relatives, and especially for their own household, has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Those are strong words because caring for our families is so central to our faith. Now, and I know in a room this size and with everybody listening online that there are very complicated family dynamics. There has been past hurts and fights and abuses and things that can seem irreconcilable or things that may actually be irreconcilable in families and that they, these hurts go, they, they can go back and they can go deep. And I'm not going to focus on how to fix that or solve that. Those can be very complex situations that can require a lot of counsel or therapy or um, just very difficult. But what I want you to hear is that it is our call to care for our families. Even, even if they're strained relationships. But it's not just our families. That's crucially important, but Scripture teaches in Philippians chapter 2 to do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. It goes on to say, who uh, gave of himself. He humbled himself and gave even to the point of giving his life on the cross. That, that's, uh, that, that our mindset should be the same as that in our, all of our relationships. So everywhere you go, on the front lines of your life, you have these opportunities. I'm just very mindful and struck by the life of Alan Carroll, who passed away this week. In, 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 in this regard, uh, Alan Carroll was, uh, amazingly loved his family. His wife, his, his children, but he was an amazing grandfather. He was here at church last Sunday with his grandsons, taking them to Sunday school, and just caring excellently for his... He's an, he's, he was an amazing son-in-law and brother-in-law and father-in-law and caring in so many different and intense ways. If you know Alan, many of you do, and you know his family, that he just cared and loved so excellently. But it wasn't just his family. He loved his neighbors. Alan lived right across the street from the church here. And one of his neighbors, uh, who's gone home to be with the Lord, uh, was, they called her Auntie, Auntie Lillian. And 
Alan and his family embraced Auntie Lily and their neighbor, an older woman, as, as if she were a family member. They took her into their house and they brought her in on holidays and they, uh, they brought her to church here to worship with us. And she, she knew the Lord and she was a woman of faith and they just poured their lives and embraced her as their own family member. And just, he lived such an example of this way of life. And I just think for every one of us, we're going to leave here and you're going to interact with people at work and at home and in your neighborhoods who we are called to care for. That's your mission field. That's who we care for individually. But we also care for people collectively. We work together to care for people. And through the free church missions and community service programs, you're caring for people who you have, who you have otherwise no access to, you would never be able to care for, or that you're caring for them in ways that you never could on your own. Uh, and these, the, our mission partners all do kingdom work, the work of God's kingdom, proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they also are meeting practical needs and caring for people's felt needs. And it's, their, it's these practical needs and these spiritual needs that are often very much connected, uh, that both of those things go hand in hand. When one of those things is missing, things can get out of balance. I'm all for just proclaiming the gospel and the good news of Jesus. But there are places where it would be culturally insensitive or illegal to just stand on a street corner and just start preaching Jesus to whoever will walk by. And I think in some ways, even in New England culture, that can be culturally insensitive to just start shouting at people who are just trying to walk their dogs. That may not be the most effective ministry. Not that people haven't come to faith that way. Just there's... There's this beautiful ministry where we are connecting with people in real and tangible ways and also proclaiming the good news. Now, if we don't proclaim the good news at all and only meet needs, you know, here's medical care, here's water, we miss an amazing opportunity to say that we are doing this in the name and in the love of Jesus Christ who has loved us ultimately. So it's the, the good work that our mission partners do isn't just a front to be able to get into some of these closed countries, although some of them they would not be able to get in without some other ministry or uh, care for people. But it really is hand-in-hand hand with the message of the gospel. So we, all over the world, we're partnered with various folks who do that. On a local level, there are things that we can do together as a church that you can't do individually. And I know people, there's many people who like to say, well, I'm spiritual but not religious, or I love Jesus but I don't really love the church. Well, I'd love to talk about that um, because the, the church is Jesus' idea and we don't do it perfectly, but that's his calling on us to be a community of faith. But there's things you can't, you probably don't have the resources and the energy to start a uh, soup kitchen to feed hundreds of people in Lawrence every day. But we're part of that together through our missions and, and service. And you may not um, be able to be there every day, but maybe you could cook one meal a month with us. And as we do that, it gives the regular workers a night off and they can rest so that they can do the good work of serving people who are hungry meal after meal, day after day, 365 days a year. We're part of that together because we work together. This is God's design. And so we can care in ways that you just could never do on your own. 
And so you may not have a lot of time, but maybe you have money to give. Or maybe you don't have a lot of money, but you can serve. And uh, maybe you have special skills or even just to provide prayer support for a ministry. So important. You know, ser- you know, serving one meal, if that's what you can do, and just being part of this. So we care. We, we see Jesus caring for his mother. We care for people, our families, our front lines, and we also do it together around the world and locally. The application, what we do from here, I just simply ask that you consider how you might partner and give to free church missions as your way of caring for other people. So the regular support that we give to missions um, helps everyday work, but it also helps long-term solutions and long-term relationships. You know, people always ask us when there's a big crisis in the world, there's, a, there's an earthquake, there's war, there's refugees, are we going to do a special offering? Are we going to do a special thing? And we say is, look, we've been fostering through regular steady giving relationships. So when there's uh, Afghan refugees, we know the Shankles who have trained workers to be in those, and they're connected through their organizations to workers in those nations. When issues are going on in Ukraine, we talk to Dr. Kuzmich, and he's trained pastors through his seminary who now are serving in churches in Ukraine, and we're, we're in conversation with them as an ongoing thing, not just as a one-time you know, money dump, but to really listen to them and find out if there are tangible needs, like this van that we were help, able to purchase through, those, through that couple that you heard in the video. Now, that couple in the video, they're not regular mission partners of Free Church, but they've met with Free Church Missions Committee. They're friends of the church, and we've been in dialogue with them. When my family tra- was traveling in Europe in 2018 on sabbatical, we stayed with them for a week. And that room, that very room that they were recording in is, is part of this place where they house ministry uh, missionaries and pastors. And we got to stay there, and they provided amazing hospitality to us. We got to see their ministry up close. And now they were hospitable to me and my family, and now we're able to support them as, as he goes. And they got the van, and he's, they've made border crossing, and... And they're doing it, and we're supporting them. That's the kind of stuff that we can do together. I'm just, we're in a season where, you know, every, once a year, we ask people to just look at the year ahead. You know, what can you give? You know, make a plan, talk to your family, and partner with us in this. And then we're going to go the next, we're going to do it again next year and just kind of reset and reconsider where we're at and what the needs are. Um, and we have just these strategic partners and long-term relationships, which is just beautiful. So here we see, we see Jesus caring for his mother, even at his death. I just pray that we may care excellently for others, just as Jesus cared perfectly for Mary and for us. And let us pray. Father, just pray that you open our eyes. We're going to leave this place in We're going to interact with so many people. Every relationship is an opportunity to care for someone else. But we can't care for everyone, Lord. But help us to see what you're calling us to do. What part are you calling us to do in caring in our own families and in our world? Lord, we thank you for so many opportunities. You are so good to us. May your kingdom advance in power in all these ways. May your glory be known. May lives be saved and changed. And may it be for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.